So 2020 it is. It's hard to believe, but there's a new decade in front of us. Even that can cause quite a controversy. Is this the end of the last decade or this is the start of the next one? It's like, oh my gosh. New opportunities, new challenges. It's truly a new era for all of us. Even with the dramas we've prayed about with this massive fire event in our nation. Um, let's just say a big part of our nation and a lot of people's lives have been affected, but you've got to look at the burnt areas on a map of Australia and go, man, this country is massive. It is absolutely humongous. And have large areas that have been burnt? Absolutely. Have people's lives been turned upside down? There's absolutely no doubt about it because most of us live in the bit that's burnt. Just saying, like in New South Wales, for example. Uh, so it's a new era. I said to Julie yesterday, I said it'll be interesting to be a licensed builder in this country because um, I think the building of new homes is going to go off the scale in the next four or five years. I mean, someone's got to rebuild the homes. We need tradespeople that will get in there and build homes. Um, yeah, I mean, that's just one thing I could think of. It's like the whole housing market could have changed in a way that no one saw coming because of the destruction at the moment of around about 1,400 homes in New South Wales alone. That's a lot of homes. That's a lot of work. A lot of work for contractors to bulldoze all the garbage out of the way and start again. People might decide, I'm not living there. Come hell or high water, I'm never going back there. There are communities that won't have people return to them. I remember in the Adelaide Hills Ash Wednesday fires in 1983, that there were so, people were so traumatised by that fire in our neck of the woods that they used to live in the Adelaide Hills and they deliberately moved to the city. They were never setting foot in the Adelaide Hills again. Fires do strange things to communities. So there's a new era in front of us. It's a moment for us as people of faith to stand up and demonstrate that we, in spite of the pain, in spite of the losses, in spite of the difficulties that are in front of us, we trust God. God who is sovereign the God who is loving. Some crazy people are going to want to say this is God's judgment, this is God's doing, this is like, for goodness sake, let's just put that stuff aside. Let's put our focus on a loving God. Let's put our focus on a compassionate God. Let's put our hand in the hand of a God who is with us in our difficulties, not trying to beat us up with a stick because we're being naughty people. I mean, for goodness sake, truly. Um, don't let that stuff get under the radar into your world. Trust the power of the cross. Jesus paid the price for our sin. God's not unhappy with us. He loves us. Can people say amen to that? Amen. God loves us. And so don't let that nonsense get into your world of thinking. God's a loving God. And it's our moment to shine. Shine the love of Christ. Shine the love of the, uh, the compassionate side of being a Christian in our nation. However that's perceived and however that's uh, manipulated in various circles forget that just do your thing just want to give a little bit of clarity about what we might do with regards to um, bushfire funding uh, C3 Church Norwood have asked if they can add to they're having an offering today and there's been some C3 requests to send money to Camden Wallandilly which is in the south western suburbs of Sydney uh, new church that we actually oversee uh, they have been directly and were impacted way before we were in the Adelaide Hills and, uh, but we've been in connection with Lars as the area director for South Australia Northern Territory and said, how would you feel about us directing our finances to the needs here in South Australia, not only Adelaide Hills, but Kangaroo Island, obviously. 
and uh, he thought that was great. So I think C3 Darwin, Norwood, and whoever else in our states taking up offerings are going to direct all that finance to us to coordinate. So we will probably pull together a bit of a, a bushfire recovery team within our own church to make sure that we don't go off on tangents that aren't helpful. Um, so having said that, I'd like you to keep your ear to the ground. And if you identify a genuine need, something that can be done practical, practically to help a family or a community group or whatever, um, please let us know. Uh, email to us is probably the easiest way. If you've got a text message connect, uh, connection with us, please do that. Call the office. The office is actually closed till the 20th, is that right? So uh, you can leave a message on the message machine. Julie and I are not on holidays. We're around the place. So we check that daily. And uh, we certainly check email. So please email us if there's any absolute, like, credible, you know it's a genuine concern, uh, sorry, need that we can help with. Please let us know. We want to coordinate that. I'm trying to stay as connected as I can. I'm the secretary of the Onkoparinga Valley Ministers Association, trying to keep a coordinated um, perspective on what's happening where with the other ministers and the other churches in the area. So um, please be assured that we will make wise decisions with the money we've given already and we will be wisely using the funds that come from elsewhere. And uh, I expect at the end of the process to be able to, to present to anyone to see it, but we'll make sure that we can say we received X dollars and this is what we've done with it. Um, we might have surplus funds that we can give to help in context interstate if that's appropriate down the track. So we'll take care of that. And uh, as I said, if you've got any suggestions or genuine need that you've identified or heard about that you think we could help with, please let us know and we will investigate. That doesn't mean we'll do it, it just means we'll look at it and in the context of everything else that's in the mix, we'll make some decisions about what we do and where we do it. Good. Housekeeping done. All good, right? We're all looking pretty, pretty happy about 2020. A few smiles still. A few people are frowning at me. What's the problem? Just kidding. Um, so in the midst of the things that are changing, the uncertainty that seems to accompany life in the 21st century, some things don't change. Essential human nature has not changed. Oh yes, we have more information than we've ever had at our fingertips. You can Google absolutely anything and find out pretty much anything about anything, right? We have new technologies and medical breakthroughs that are never ending. Those are good things. Things are getting smaller and faster or well, depending on what you're into, some things are bigger and faster or bigger and slower. It's like, just put it this, there's new things on the horizon all the time. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Well, you get your little iPhone out, you know, it's like, I don't know, I can't remember what the actual story is, but there's more computing power in this little piece of junk in my hands than was blasted into outer space with Apollo 11. I mean, it's like, it, it, it's phenomenal. Just an iPhone. Well, you know, it's just a phone. And I it's a lot more than a phone. Social media and technology-driven communications, in my view, is a runaway train. It's like, where's that going to finish? Like, we have screens that we look at now. It's the days will be coming when there's screens inside your head. Just wake up in the morning and say, hello, Siri, and there she is. And just this, it's like, whoa. If you're a married man, your wife, wife might think that's a little bit, come on, cut that out, buddy. So, say hello to your wife first then, Bruce. Okay, um, just saying. But human nature has not changed. When you look around even at what's in the public space during the last couple of weeks, 
I'd go, nothing's changed in thousands of years. We're still human beings who still respond with an emotional response. We're deeply connected to our human template in spite of the changing context environment in which we live. So I felt, I think I mentioned this before Christmas, I felt God laying, and he's continued to lay on me this sense of wanting to communicate this particular line of thinking about belonging, about a place to belong, a place to call home, a place that we know that we fit. And so today's message is this, my first message for 2020, Jesus, the great includer. Inclusion's become a buzzword in the 21st century. Mike Rand, former Premier of this state, appointed himself as the Minister for Social Inclusion back in 2010, I think it was. I'm like, well, what the heck is that? But as you know, inclusion's become wrapped up in the dialogue of our community. So families, schools, churches, sports clubs, community groups, corporations, political parties, universities all dish up versions, different versions of inclusion. Inclusion's become a buzzword. It's been hijacked as the domain of the, of the marginalised and minority groups in our society, but that's not so. Inclusion is actually templated into every one of us as human beings. I've quoted this verse before and it's used in the context to explain in the Bible's version of it anyway, the arrival of Eve in the story of the creation. But in Genesis chapter two, the first thing God declares is not good is that man should not be alone. And then Eve is created in the story, unfolds some details about how that happened. And I wonder whether there's a way bigger issue at stake in that statement in the Bible. It is not good for man to be alone. Let's, let's, let's de-genderise that for a person to be alone. It's not good for us to be alone. If God has said that, that means that every one of us in this room was never ever designed to be by themselves. Now you can be by yourself, but you weren't designed to be by yourself. There's an inert Sometimes, maybe it's not inert and maybe it's an urgent, deep-seated need that we find even difficult to put words to, but it's there bubbling away all the time to be included. Now, I know for a fact that for me personally, that is so true. I can look back over my life and go back to some seriously disturbing incidences at school as a kid. Children are brutally honest. But have you ever noticed that kids can be brutally exclusive? I was brought up in a family with three, three kids. So I've got two sisters, one older and one younger. The old saying, two's company, three's a crowd, is true. What does that actually mean? It means we're really inclined to exclude people. You can't touch that. You can't have this. I was, this is not meant to be a pity party, so I don't hear it as that, but I was one of those kids who was slow in physically growing in height. I was young for my age. I got a January birthday coming up later this month. And I started school at the age of five, five days and one year old or whatever. I was in grade one, never went to kindergarten. And I was a little kid. And uh, 
I would say, I thought I was a bit sporty. I could run fast in those days because I got chased by the bullies. Um, knew how to run. But I found myself regularly excluded from all sorts of things. And then I realised, when I look back over my life, I had a close a circle of friends that lived nearby. Guess what? I could really easily do that too. I found it really easy to exclude people. I have a very vivid memory of my older sister being really filthy with me. Julie and I got engaged in 1978. And I don't remember why Deb was in Melbourne, but she was. And we decided to go to Melbourne after we got engaged and stayed with my uncle and auntie. And Deb asked if we could give her a ride home in our car from Melbourne. And me, being me, said no. I didn't want her interrupting my road trip with my fiancé back from Melbourne to Adelaide. So I was really quick to exclude her. Now, it was a simple practical request on her part, but I'm wondering, looking back on it, it actually involved part of a heartfelt cry to solve a practical problem, but it, I communicated a whole lot more than, no, you can't come. I communicated more than I intended to. You're excluded. What matters to me more than anything in the world is Julie. Now, that's true, but that should never come at the cost of saying, stuff you. Pardon the language. And I'm wondering this morning, because God's put this message on my heart, how much exclusive language is built into every one of us because we've been brought up in a community that excludes. And we don't even know it. We certainly don't intend to. I, for goodness sake, I know this. I could think of, that's just one example. I could go back through my life and think of lots of stories where I know either ignorantly or intentionally I excluded people. Setting up a church, setting up a leadership team. Some people see it as exclusive. Never intended it to be. Never intended for leaders' appointment to be an exclusive thing. But it is. And it isn't. It is if you see it as exclusive, but it isn't if it isn't seen as exclusive, but actually is a means of us all going in the same direction somewhere. So we've got the baggage of inclusion and exclusion, and then our perception of what is inclusion and what is exclusion, and then we read that into everything that's going on. And I'm thinking, we are such a pathetic bunch who need to be saved by the grace of God. And I say we, I see me. I want you to ponder for a moment. If you really thought about it, when was the last occasion you excluded somebody? Maybe you had a conversation that you know a lot about and they were saying something that wasn't quite right or correct or whatever and you knew that what they were saying was wrong. But because you were right, you insisted on having your say. And they were made to look like a mug in front of their friends. That's exclusion. Maybe, just maybe, you don't, like me, sometimes realise you got foot and mouth disease, brother. When was the last time you excluded somebody? Because I've got to tell you, Jesus, the Son of God, is not into it. He's into inclusion. He's into drawing people in. He understands, because he said it, his word, it's not good for man to be alone. He understands we're meant to gather people in, not put people, push, push people out. Does that mean we accept anybody the way they are? Absolutely. Anybody can come into this church from any walk of life. 
But Jesus' inclusion didn't include no change. His inclusion always involved a transformational moment with him. So let's go to the Bible. That's kind of my preamble for the message. Is this helping anybody? Anyone feeling a little uncomfortable in their seat? Because the Holy Spirit doesn't come to condemn us. He just comes to nudge us and go, it'd be a good idea to pray and repent, Bruce. Just for those occasions, like when you rejected your sister. Like when you told that kid across the street that they couldn't come on a bike ride because you didn't like them. Like the time we got a swimming pool, we had a swimming pool in our backyard at home. It's a sort of invitation only. But I look back and think, man, it was so easy to be exclusive with that. It's so easy to be exclusive. Some people find it very easy to be inclusive. Inclusiveness and tolerance, I haven't got that in my message today, but they're interesting little beasts to pair together. A couple of big buzzwords in our community. Interesting, isn't it? Inclusion and tolerance are massive issues in our community. Why? Because the Bible has set the template in the heart of every human being it's not good to be alone. So people are dying, in a sense. People are falling over themselves to be included. Some people deliberately set themselves up to be excluded. And then they look for other people that want to be like them, excluded. And the next thing, they've got a group that's inclusive, that's exclusive. Go figure. See, it's a vicious circle. You can decide to get, oh, no, I'm not going to identify any particular subgroups, that could get tricky, but you can decide to get, become part of a stamp collecting group to pick something safe. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm a stamp, what's, what's the proper term for a stamp collector? A what? A philatelist. A philatelist. Any philatelists here? Not one. I'm safe then, I can say what I like. This is good. <laughs> But to join that group, you've got to be into stamps. If you're not into stamps, we probably don't actually need you in our group. So that the mechanics of exclusion is not evil, necessarily. It's not even intentional. It's just part of the mechanics of being human, but it's got a bit of an Achilles heel because we can use it and we do use it to hurt people and to exclude people. And Jesus came to say, that's not on. So you might have arrived at a place kind of in the issue of inclusion where you're at peace about it. You've kind of resolved like whatever it is, what it is. You're just resigned to it. Uh, maybe you fear it. Maybe today you're clamouring to be included in some group. Maybe you're clamouring to be included in your family. Maybe you're clamouring with an inclusion issue. Matthew 4, 18 to 20. Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I'll send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Three things I want to say to you that Jesus did, that he invoked the reality of belonging Say belonging. 
One of the greatest things that warms my heart in this church is when a new face or new faces arrive here as visitors. And we deliberately try very, very hard to communicate the value of belonging here. Now, we don't always get it right, and not everybody will feel like they do belong here, who visits here, I get that. But let me say that as far as, as much as it's up to me and the leadership of our church here in Handorf, our job is to include. Our job is to make this place a place where you could say, I belong. This is my family. These people are my people. We don't always get that right, and it's not only up to me. It's up to us. That's why I asked you, when was the last time you excluded somebody? You've got to have your eyes and ears open about the contexts in which you may or may not exclude people because I don't want you personally to be excluding a new person in our church because you just don't realise you're doing it. Jesus went and found Simon Peter and Andrew where they were. He wanted a particular kind of person included in his world at that point in time. He wants all sorts of people included in his world now. But to start with, he wanted people who would go out and fish for people. So he started with fishermen. Kind of like, interesting. So he went to them, number one. Two, he invited them to his world. He says, come follow me. He acknowledged their world and the connection it has to him. We have a vision statement in our church to be a growing and influential C3 church. People will say, what's the point of that? We've got to be going somewhere. If I'm as a senior pastor saying, come follow us, come join us, come become part of this, you go, well, where are we going? Where are we going? Well, we've actually gone recently down to Parkside, down the track somewhere. We're going to go to XYZ. Not sure where that is. In the meantime, C3 Church, Adelaide Hills, located in Handorf, is going to continue to grow and have influence. Did anybody read the back page of the Courier Christmas Eve? The front page was a bit disturbing. The back page was happy page, had the Chris Kinder marked on it. Our influence in that event alone is huge. Off the charts, Wilder's dreams couldn't have believed it could ever have happened. It has. Our influence will go before us because of the Spirit of God. Jesus went to them. Just remember, this is how you get to include people. Go to them. I haven't got any friends. I've heard that said before. Well, have you gone looking for friends? Oh, no, I'm waiting for someone to give me a call. Do you ever get out? No. So you're wanting friends to come to you. Jesus went to them. Say it after me. He went to them. If you want to have new friends, go to them. Go and find them. He invited them into his world. He said, oh, so good to meet you. Have a great week. See ya. No, no. So we have in our church put together um, and continue to try to manage this as a process, but the process is more about it becoming a cultural value. We invite people to our homes for a coffee or for a meal or to connect group. Connect group's about belonging. There's a lot of systems and processes at work 
that can be looked at again as, well, they're just systems and processes with a leader. No, no, there are mechanics. The mechanics of that is all meant to reflect this is a place where there's a potential for you and me to belong, where we're valued, where our voice is heard, where we get to pray, where we get to talk, where we get to share our fears. He included Peter and Andrew into his world. He invited them in. Matthew 8, 1 to 4. Jesus came down from the mountainside. Large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. Wow. A Jewish rabbi slash teacher would know because he knows you never, ever go near nor touch a person with leprosy. Jesus just decided, blow those rules. Why? Because he's the master includer. Leprosy not only meant he couldn't touch them, leprosy meant this person was excluded from all of the temple ritual, excluded basically from all the normal routine of a Jewish life he was excluded from because he had leprosy. And he asked Jesus, uh, are you willing? Jesus says, oh, I am willing. Not only am I willing to heal you, before you're healed, I'm willing to touch you. Indicating that this person with leprosy, whether they get healed or don't get healed, with leprosy is of value to him. He's prepared to put his reputation on the line. He's prepared to put his credential as being a past, like a rabbi on the line to do something that he should not do. Why? Because he wants to include that leprous person in his circle. Maybe it's inconvenient for you to be friendly to somebody. Maybe you need to get out of your comfort zone. Maybe Jesus was, in his own way, a little uncomfortable with that action. The Bible doesn't give any hint to that. It's just my, he's a human as well as he was divine. You're probably thinking, this, is, this could be interesting. But he didn't, he didn't care. He just reached out and touched that young person. And they were healed. Now, not only did he heal him of a disease so that he had no longer had a problem with him, he says, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Right there, Jesus is giving an instruction to understand you are now included, not only in my world, you're going to be included back in the community in which you live. Jesus is the master includer. It's an imperative that I am. It's an imperative that we are. We look for opportunities to include and we look for opportunities to give exclusion the flick. Anyone say amen to that? He broke the rules of touching. He acknowledged the man's statement with the exact same words, connected with his mindset. He then instructed the man to set course, to be included again. That is belong. That means being safe. Let me just say that again. Belonging is important to us because it's where we feel safe. That's why abuse in a family is such a disgustingly vile issue amongst the actual trauma of what happens to a person. But abuse is a breach of the safe place. I'd want to say to you that as far as I know, 
and it's up to me. This is a safe church. We've got a lot of things in place that we know keep us safe. Our kids and our kids' ministry, it's a safe place. It's because you can belong here in a safe place. It's such an important thing to value. Why do we, we, we value that? I value that. So the healing of his body, this guy's body's healing, to some extent is a secondary issue for Jesus. Jesus can heal him, and he did like that. But what's more important to him is including him in his world and then setting him up to be included back in his world. Inclusion's the deal. The faith of the centurion, chapter 8, Matthew, and down here. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, so as a Roman soldier, asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? Um, he could have said lots of things. But he actually asked the guy a question, which he often did. Shall I come and heal him? What's Jesus doing there? He's not barging into the guy's world. He's not saying, hey, I'm the man. He's actually submitting himself to the authority of the Roman soldier. He says, well, shall I come and heal him? He's waiting for, even though he's been invited, he's waiting for it to be confirmed. He understands, and the story goes on to highlight the centurion, my paraphrase, says, I understand what it is to be in charge. I say to this guy, go there. He goes, I do say, go there, come here, do this, do that. And Jesus remarkably answers or makes a statement after the centurion expresses his view of how things get happening and why he came to Jesus because he'd heard about Jesus. He knew he had authority like he did. He had authority over men because of the government. Jesus had authority over all sorts of other things because he acknowledges him, first statement, Lord. I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say that to you, that many will come from the east to the west and will take their place with the feast of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Wow. So he's talking about faith. He's talking about remarkable faith he's never seen in Israel. And then he's talking about taking a place at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is all about getting people in to his kingdom. The miracles, they're kind of sideshows. I don't mean that in a derogatory or simplistic or in any way disrespectful sense, but they're signs. They're only signs They are phenomenal changes of life. But Jesus' agenda was, I want you in my kingdom. I want you to be in. Say in. In. So Jesus immediately, three things here, immediately offers to go and heal the servant. He, number two, he acknowledged where the centurion was in regards to faith. And three, reveals in verse 11, his priority is the kingdom of heaven. And the servant doesn't even meet Jesus. He's just healed from afar. Think about that story. And then just, just a little aside, I had a naughty thought during the week because the Bible plays tricks on us all the time. I thought if he can just heal a Roman centurion's servant from afar, why did Lazarus die? Just a question, just okay. So, ooh, Lazarus was a guy who died because Jesus wasn't there. Just, uh, if you don't know that story, um, look it up. Just Google Lazarus, see what you get. 
probably some weird invention in America. So we marvel at the miracle whilst Jesus is working on inclusion in the kingdom. I've got another whole set of scriptures here, but we've run out of time. Why don't we stand to our feet? Matthew chapter 12, Jesus is criticised by the Pharisees because his disciples are taking grain out of a paddock, a field on the Sabbath, considered to be work. Jesus includes, this is my great thought for the week, Jesus includes, religion excludes. Let me say it again. Jesus includes, religion excludes excludes people say to you if they ever ask this question are you religious you say nope I'm not a religious person I'm a Christ follower religious people exclude Christ followers include I'm feeling the heartbeat of heaven resting on me preparing this message this week to launch us into this decade to see this church's growth and influence explode because we get, we get this. We get, we're going to work on it. Some of us have got a little bit of work to do on this. Some of you might have been damaged at school or in your workplace or some other context and you're carrying around baggage about inclusion. You might not be, as I said, uh, deliberately setting out to exclude people, but maybe it's part of your protection mechanism. Maybe the way you feel safe is to keep people at a distance. But Jesus wants you to be an includer. Get healed of that pain. Get healed of that brokenness. Get over that thing. Get healed and bring people in. Bring people into your world. Wouldn't it be awesome to think in 10 years' time you're standing at church, you've got 20 people standing around you that you included starting in 2020. And you just brought them into your world. You included them. And you included them so well that they followed you and they followed you into the house of God. I've got people standing in this congregation this morning who've had that influence in their family, had that influence amongst their friends. They've had that influence through their prayer life. They've included people and brought them into the house of God. Maybe not on a Sunday up front, it could be through a connect group, might be through a heap of dinner parties and meals. It's like whatever it takes to include the Pharisees got caught in this chapter 8, story, sorry, chapter 12 story. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? I mean, honestly. You're going to go, that's religion. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Well, who wants to be sick on the Sabbath? Honestly. And so Jesus responds to that. And he heals a guy in the synagogue. He says, he's crippled, had the crippled hand. Stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and it was completely restored. But the Pharisees, just read Pharisees, read religious people, went out and plotted how to kill Jesus. Religion's going to protect exclusion at all costs. Jesus came to include. If you're feeling excluded, maybe you don't know that you are included. You've come to church this morning here. Jesus, by His Spirit, is still operating the same way in the 2020. He's coming to you where you are. He says, what do you want me to do for you? Are you okay? No, I'm not okay. Well, let's see if we can fix that. He's interested in you. He's interested in you 
being included in His kingdom. But He doesn't want you to become so heavenly minded, you're no earthly use. He wants to empower you to be an includer in the community in which we live. So we live in the kingdom and we live out of the kingdom, His kingdom, in the community in which we live. For that to all work, you personally, I personally have already, and many people here have, have need, a need to respond to His coming to you. The disciples dropped everything and said, we're in. They followed Him. My question to you this morning, are you ready to drop everything and follow Him? His invitation is still the same today as it was 2,000 years. Come, follow me, and I will make. He will change your life. It'll be a phenomenal life. If that's you, you've never talked to God, never prayed a prayer to invite Him in. He wants you to hear His invitation. Come follow me. And He's just looking for a yeah, I'm in. If you've got a yes on the tip of your tongue, if you've got a, a yes just bubbling up the very top section of your heart right now as I'm talking, I'm not going to get you to come out the front. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I just do want you to slip your hand up and say, Bruce, that's me. I'm ready to make that decision. I am going to follow him. Just give me a wave so I can see your hand. If your hand's raised, I need to see it because I want to pray with you. Help you pray a prayer. That'll invite Jesus to come establish his kingdom in your life. Better way to start 2020 than becoming a Christ follower. Thank you, Jesus. Another five seconds. challenge this morning what do you need to do with this message is there one thing that you know if I said to you right think of one thing you need to change what is that when I finish talking to you and praying in a few minutes the best thing you can do is just sit down and jot a little note on your phone or your, your device or notepad whatever you've got here I need to do X, Y, Z. Next question, what things do I need to stop doing that are excluding people? What do I need to stop doing? And third question is, what do you need Jesus to do in you to make you more like Him with inclusion? So let me pray to close the meeting. If you need to repent, that is, say, sorry, God, I've been, I've been dabbling in exclusion, ignorantly or deliberately, whatever the case, just repent. So God, we stand in your presence to close this meeting today. I ask, Lord, for every one of us to just have a moment where we confess and repent of our exclusion moments. Lord, for those of us that have got damage in our hearts, putting walls up and barriers is part of our safety mechanism I pray like the leper did if you're willing Lord heal me I want you to see Jesus reaching out and touching that wall I want you to see him putting his hand through that wall grabbing a hold of you I see the wall come tumbling down and to 
realize that the safe place for you is with him. Help us, Lord, to go out into the world in which we live, the community that's at the moment suffering in various ways and shapes and forms, to include people, to love them, to embrace them, to be with them. We go in your name and we go in your power into the week ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering this morning. He's so good. He is so good.